You're listening to the Bill Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Fall is officially here, and Midco SN's coverage of the best sports this season has to offer is very much in full swing, especially from a UND perspective. Speaking of which, this Saturday, October 5th, we're bringing you UND football against UC Davis live at 1 p.m., followed by the home opener for UND hockey against Manitoba at 7 p.m. If you can't make either game in person, we've got you covered. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Chaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Chaves Podcast, episode 8 of the new season. Alongside UND Athletics Director Bill Chaves, I'm Alex Seinert. Bill? We, we survived uh, what did not feel like fall weather this past weekend, and we're back home safely in Grand Forks. Uh, just a, an interesting turn of the week uh, with UND football out in Cheney facing, what did they say, it hadn't snowed in September since 1926, and it just so happened to be the week that we got to be out there. Lucky, lucky us. You really couldn't make it up. I mean, uh, you know, who would have thought we were going to get our first bit of snow in Cheney, uh, yeah. of all places. In fact, when we finally landed, uh, coming back to Grand Forks, it, it was way better than yeah. Cheney, right? And so, uh, and I, I'll tell you this: the following day, uh, I was just following it, knowing that they had uh, snow coming. They had to postpone their uh, their soccer match because oh, yeah. they had had an accumulation. And I, you know, we we caught it right at the end. Uh, you could see it was all coming. And uh, I think Montana, some places in Montana really have gotten it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we had our challenges getting out, but it was safe getting up and getting down. And I think uh, we talked about it, what pre-pod is, you know, it's tough probably the first uh, time of the year where you're having to de-ice a little bit. And uh, my guess is they probably didn't expect to be doing it in the month of September. I would say, I would say not. It's like when the first the first snowfall hits and people forget how to drive in the snow. It's kind of like that on the tarmac where you kind of forget. Oh, where where did we put the de-icing machine? How is this? How much do we have to kind of do on the flight back after the game? You know, there had been a bit of a delay. We're sitting in the plane, probably been about ninety minutes or so as they're kind of getting things de-iced, and we get the message over the loudspeaker that the the co-pilot was just going to walk back and just check on a couple things with the engine or with the wings or something like that. And I'm sitting next to Tom Miller of the Grand Forks Herald, and we kind of assume, oh, that means, you know, you're going to go outside and maybe take a look. And the co-pilot walks down the aisle and goes into the row behind us where Alec Johnson, the SID, and Danny Pudlacki from the Herald, and and, and he's like, excuse me, excuse me, I'm just going to take a quick, and he peeks out the window to look what's going on, and then goes, okay, looks good, and then walks back up. He didn't he just got to look out the tiny window bill and then didn't look at the other wing. He just went to the one wing. It didn't inspire a lot of confidence for everybody in our area. I'd never seen that before. Only on Swift Air. It's a great time. <laughs> and I'd say charters in general are always interesting, you know, no matter what, you know, what it doesn't matter the company in a sense. But the... Uh, one thing I did appreciate, and I think you, you know, uh, airlines have done a, a far greater job of at least communicating with passengers. You yes. know, I mean, it, tr- trying to at least bring you through as much as they can bring you through without really wanting to probably know everything yeah. at some stage. And you know this: if if the aircraft is not safe to go up, then here's the good decision: don't have it go up. And yeah, then exactly. uh, it's it's. It's a pain in the neck for everybody that has to deal with that, but that's probably the better alternative. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, you know, we got we got there safe, we got back safe. That's the main thing. We can sit in the runway for a little while longer if it ensures that we don't crash. So it's a win. Yeah. yeah. It was a win. 
Uh, well, we're, we're talking about the trip. Let's go into the game a little bit from this past weekend. Uh, UND falls 35 to 20. And, uh, we, you know, the conditions obviously did not make things easy and contributed to UND having a tough time hanging on to the football. And that really ended up being the story of this contest. Yeah, I, you know, Alex, I, I guess you can go into any game. And uh, if you've got five plus turnovers in a game, obviously in this one, six, it, you give teams short fields and, uh, you know, it's it's a stress all the way around. And, uh, you know, interestingly, you know, I think uh, probably uh, we were surprised a little bit on, on how Eastern ran the ball in the first half and we kind of shut that down a bit in the second. And, you know, we were kind con- we were coming back and uh, um, just couldn't find a way, uh, you know, to, to overcome all of the other possessions that we gave Eastern. It was such a weird game because things started off so well. You know, UND wins the coin toss. There was a I mean, strong 25-mile-an-hour wind, and they elect to, you know, get the defer to the second half, force Eastern to go into the win. They get the stop right away. They get great field position because the punt wasn't very good. And it feels like, all right, here we go. They got momentum. Guys were hooting and hollering and excited. And then that first turnover happens. And then, you know, it was followed by a second one, and Eastern was able to build that 28-7 lead. It was just a couple of plays that sort of compounded from one thing to the next and and uh, and then give the give the guys a lot of credit cuz it was a great fight back in the second half and anytime you've had i believe four turnovers up to that point but you've got the football and are deep inside opposition territory down one score you know you, you, they had every chance to still be able to pull that game out and then just you know it didn't obviously happen in the end yeah and so that's the right you, you probably just identified both the glass half full and both glass half empty right all in one and uh but i think the glass half full was our guys kept battling and uh found a way to give ourselves a chance in the fourth quarter but uh you know you almost have to be a bit perfect at that stage when you're you've you've put yourself in certain holes and so uh you know unfortunately we didn't get it done and uh but uh, the one thing we do have is obviously a home game coming up and, uh, again, more opportunity. I know UC Davis, uh, you know, every week is its own, Alex. I mean, uh, Montana was uh, did a pretty good job against UC Davis, a team that obviously uh, played very well in the Fargo Dome. So, again, uh, I think like most teams, it's about themselves. And you've got to get, you know, you've got to get it to a place where you're doing what you're doing at the apex and then you let it, you know, let it roll from there. Yeah, that homecoming tilt against the Aggies at 1 o'clock coming up this weekend from the Alara Center. Yeah, Davis was number four in the country before that defeat to Montana. They slipped outside the top 10 now with that loss. It, it just, like you said, it just shows every week you just, you just don't really know what to expect. And that was a 38 7 game at one point, and, and then they kind of made it a little bit closer down the stretch. But it's a, it's a very good Davis team, certainly. I think everybody needs to realize, even though they got beat by 25 this past weekend, that Jake Mayer, the quarterback's a player of the year candidate, and they've got a ton of good skill guys. And they're, uh, it'll be a tough team, obviously. But like you said, another opportunity against a high-quality team to build your resume and with hopefully a great homecoming crowd behind you, a chance to kind of get, get things back on track. And still, it's two and two. There's still The whole season is still out in front of you. But a great, a great chance this weekend to get back on the winning track. Yeah, it's a it's a busy weekend. It's a great week uh, for us. Obviously, uh, a lot of the homecoming activities that go on, and we just have a, a boatload of uh, uh, games as well. So uh, uh, Saturday will be busy, obviously, with the one o'clock football game, and then the hockey game against Manitoba. But you know, we've also got uh, soccer kicking everything off on Thursday against South Dakota at three o'clock, and and volleyball is is playing as well this weekend, and then soccer's playing again with volleyball on Sunday. So so. 
there's there's just a lot going on this week. So our staff will be stretched, no question about it. And that's uh, not even including, uh, you know, our 45th uh, annual uh, UND Athletics Hall of Fame induction ceremony. So uh, a lot of things happening, Alex, for sure. Yeah, let's talk about the Hall of Fame really quick, because that kind of comes before the football game, of course, on Friday. Uh, talk about the class, who's going in this year, and it's and, and what events kind of surround that this, this great group that's being inducted this year. Yeah, so, you know, you've got uh, a number of individuals going in. Lee Davidson from hockey, uh, 86 to 90. Jessica Neva, uh, Gardner, she was a cross-country track and field. Jean Roebuck, of course, uh, legendary women's uh, basketball coach. Uh, uh, Bob Tofty is a football player uh, back in the 60s uh, going in. Um, Tisha Yancer-Leaser is a swimmer, is uh, being inducted. And then the 98-99 National Championship women's basketball team, so Obviously, those teams uh, were uh, three-peat winners of the national titles back in the 90s. So uh, to have Coach Roebuck going with that team is fantastic. And then uh, then the current women's basketball coach at Minnesota State, Moorhead, Carla Nelson, she's going to uh, receive the Tom Clifford Award. And then uh, I think everyone knows Loyal Yankee. Uh, if, if you don't, you do. That's what I'll say. <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're saying, who's Loyal Yankee? And then I say, well, it's the guy in the hat, big cowboy hat and a flag. And you know what? Now you know because he's, 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 he's loyal. He's just that. And he's at all the events. And uh, uh, he's going to be recognized with the honorary Leonard Witter Award. So should be a fun, fun night um, at the Alara Center. I think it's uh, just about sold out, Alex, uh, the actual mm-hmm. uh, function itself. So should be a great, great night. Yeah, excellent. That's a fantastic group and fun to see them get recognized in that ceremony, but then also with the football game the next day. So a chance to, to come out and, and see some familiar faces from UND Athletics in, in recent history and some really great, great, great names, some great accomplishments on that list. Uh, you mentioned, of course, this is a busy week. It was a busy week this past week as well with volleyball, with a couple of games opening up Summit League play. You know, on the road against two very good teams, and both both games against Omaha and South Dakota didn't go their way. But similarly, they both played great in the first set. You know, took the first set off the Mavericks, and then couldn't quite keep it going, and then only lost. It was a 25-23 first set to South Dakota, and then the Coyotes started to take over in sets two and three. Just kind of, you know, it, when you have a young team, sometimes that's going to be the way things go. You have those high moments. Just finding that consistency is something Jeremiah Tiffin and the group are still working towards. Yeah, the, you know, I guess maybe. Um... I don't know. I'll, I'll use this term, maybe a little bit more inexperienced team. And you're just trying to get the experience. And uh, um, and so those two teams we know are going to be uh, pretty good. And, uh, you know, we've got to kind of bounce back now and try to figure out uh, some home court and uh, uh, see what we can do against Western Illinois and then uh, Fort Wayne on Sunday. Yeah, Leather next Friday at 4 o'clock at home. And then Purdue Fort Wayne, who beat Denver this past week. Out of a surprise on the Summit League slate, we get... The Dons coming to town Sunday at 1, as you said. So busy weekend. First opening Summit League weekend at home for the volleyball team coming up. Cross Country was on the road this week at the prestigious Roy Griek Invitational in Minneapolis. Uh, a couple decent individual performances. Hannah Oscarson placed in 30th out of a, a really decorated field. Um, so neat to see her place in the top third of this really big group. On the men's side, Luke Labatt was kind of in the middle of the packet highest finisher for UND at 59th. Uh, you know, it, when you're talking about schools from the West Coast and Ivy League schools from the East Coast and some of the best in the Midwest, a good test for for our kids kind of in the middle of the season to just to see where they're at. Yeah, I I think, uh, 
you know, as Christine's getting her feet wet uh, here at UND, uh, obviously she's got, you know, oodles of experience with all these uh, types of events, but, uh, you know, I, she'll be putting her, uh, her, her stamp on, on, the, uh, on the program at some point, but it kind of gives you a measure of where she is with the program on year one and where uh, potentially she wants to go with it. Yeah, Cross Country gets a couple of weeks now to rest up, train, get ready for their only home meet of the season coming up, the Ron Penn Classic coming up on October the 19th. And then that, and then it's the Summer League Championships a couple of weeks after that in Fargo. So the Cross Country season nearing already the close. It's amazing how quickly that season goes. So a great chance to go out and support the, the uh, men and women again running in a couple of weeks at Ray Richards Golf Course on October the 19th. Uh, no women's soccer this past week. They had a nice, everybody in the league had kind of a an off week in terms of conference play. As you mentioned, they'll kick off the week Thursday at 3 p.m. against South Dakota in that game that was moved from Friday back to Thursday. And then they go on the road to Brookings on Sunday at 1 o'clock. So a great chance to open up conference play there. Uh, have you had a chance to talk with Chris recently about his thoughts about the, the season and, and some of the league play coming up? You know what? Our our paths haven't crossed uh, recently, and I know uh, you know this past week they took full advantage of trying to figure out uh, uh, you know getting some rest for the kids and uh, see you know where he is from a recruiting standpoint. So I look forward to catching up with them here early this week. But uh, um, yeah, I you know I, I do like the fact that we ended up pushing that game back and just give us uh, an extra day uh, before we head to Brookings. So uh, so we'll have our hands full on Thursday for sure, but. Uh, should be exciting as a uh, summit league play kicks off. Yeah, the team's six, three, and one after their non-conference portion of the season, still playing well, and like I said, should be rested, ready to go for a, a South Dakota team that's kind of in the middle of the pack in the summit right now, and then South Dakota State on the road on Sunday. Uh, men's basketball, that was kind of the big news this week as well from an athletics standpoint. The hoops team releasing their schedule for the year. You know, let's let's just look at it like this: so three home dates on the calendar. A lot of big, high-profile road trips, Gonzaga, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Oregon State, plus the Big Sky Summit League Challenge will take UND to Montana and to Eastern Washington this year. I suppose at first blush, when you look at the schedule, I think some people might think, gosh, why aren't there more home games or why aren't we playing maybe some bigger teams at home this year? Kind of talk us through the process of this, because this was obviously a very complicated process in figuring out this schedule because of the change in coaches this past season. You know, that probably start there. That's probably the fair way to start is, uh, you know, we were in transition. And so uh, I guess if I can bring some uh, folks behind the curtain as far as how men's basketball schedules, every sport's kind of unique. They kind of do their own thing. Let's start there. So um, and, and there's interaction administratively, like from the beginning in some sports and maybe it's not until about uh like the parameters of what a schedule might be and then you do some check-ins until you get to the end and so men's basketball is a little bit like that or at least that's how traditionally it has been so many different um pieces have to fit into certain amount of dates uh so it's a big puzzle it really is and so many of the schools just have their own coaches sort of start that process. And so then when we had a coaching change where Brian was really the one that was the one that uh, did a lot of those conversations, he moved on and the baton went to Steve Grabowski, who then the baton went to the administration 
us and Nate Kading because Nate was still here. Paul comes popping onto the scene. And so now it's kind of the baton has changed multiple times. And so once we finally got it, there were certain dates that were in play with certain teams. But then when you looked at it on a calendar, it just might not make sense for us to say be on the road somewhere and then have to be coming back to Grand Forks while a team you're going to play in Grand Forks is waiting for you. And so that's somewhat of the conversations that, that we had. The other piece is, so if we go broadly right now, if we just go broadly, very, you're either a team, a school that is being bought or you're buying games. That's it. Let's start there. That's, that's the truth. Mm-hmm. So we are a school today. I mean, I think any school that is being bought and making additional dollars for budgetary reasons end up having to f- try to figure out those games first. And then you weave in kind of home and homes. And, and then if you play like we have the last few years in a multi-team e- exempt ex- uh, event, you've got to slide that in as well. And what and what's interesting about those MTEs is a lot of times you'll go to one place, play a couple games, and then you play one on the road and say one at home, but all that has to be done within a 14-day window. And so there's, there's just different parameters that are put on things. When we got it all, Alex, we looked at it all on the board, and we had two schools that should be coming to us this year. Eastern Washington is one, and Seattle's the other one. Because we're playing in two, I'll call them, for lack of a better term, challenges, right? A whack challenge with uh, the summit, and then we have some big sky schools. Well, the date that was already agreed upon and contractually contractually obligated with Montana, the date for Eastern was that next Saturday. So Montana's on a Thursday, and it would have been having to come from Missoula, play Eastern on that Saturday in Grand Forks. Eastern didn't have a game. They would have been sitting in Grand Forks. And so we kind of said, you know what? Might be better this year to go from Missoula three hours to Cheney, play that game, and bump Eastern to a future year. And that's what we ended up doing with Seattle as well. Because Seattle, um, on the WAC side of life, we knew who and where the game needed to be, but we didn't know when. And so it, it, the same thing happened with the Big Sky. We knew who and where, but we didn't know when. On the horizon side, and this is what I was talking with uh, uh, Tom Dupel about, is we're going to be doing a Horizon Summit deal next year. We know when right now. We know when, but we don't know who and where. <laughs> you need to go three for three. Yeah. Okay. Two for three doesn't even get it done. because So when I go to the Summit League meetings – this week, when I go on uh, on Sunday and we have our fall meetings, I've already kind of got the, I guess, things churning to some degree. Whomever it's going to be, take a three-year, uh, you know, look back three years and say, who do you want to play from an RPI standpoint? And it should be rolling three years, but we don't have to wait for this year. In fact, it would be better to know already. We, we'd be better off being three for three right now because it's a big difference between, let's just say, a Tuesday, Saturday, and a certain week. If you don't know where you're playing, how can you connect a game with it? And then, it, so what ends up happening is all this to be said, and I know I'm kind of saying a lot here to some degree, 
we're going to be so far ahead of it, and we already are. And I, I would say, what's your sort of offense if you're a team or a school today that is being bought? It's to be ahead of things. And I think that's where, you know, knock on wood, we're heading toward. And that was my comment, I guess, in, when we released the statement, you know, futuristically, we're going to be in better shape. Uh, but, you know, we kind of made some choices this year. The other thing we did, too, is from a travel standpoint, you want to try to limit the time frames on the road. That's why connecting Eastern with uh, Montana made a whole lot of sense. Then our kids don't have to be on the road for for you know, days upon days upon days. And so if you look at our schedule, the road trips are not that bad. They're not that bad. In fact, around uh, finals, we're going to be home pretty much for two weeks. And so those are all the kind of the permutations that go into scheduling. It's complicated stuff. And I think, especially in, I think some people look at this and you just think, well, shouldn't there be half home and half away or shouldn't there be? But like you said, that's <laughs> there's no... There's nothing in place, really, except for what you can do and how the budget works and how the schedule works and who you can have relationships with. And when you have basically four different sets of people that have kind of been a part of this process at various times over the course of the years, it's it's got to be tricky. And I think the fact that I think you've got enough, there are enough hope. Hopefully people can see, hey, there are some really fun, high-profile games that'll be on national television. You know, you're playing three teams that made the NCAA tournament and two more that made the NIT even though some of the home matches, at least this year, might not be the type of glamour ones in non-conference. Hey, instead of that now, though, we do have another, it's the Summit League schedule. So you got local teams that are coming up to play once the calendar switches over to January and into February, etc. I think there are still some really positive things about this. And like you said, in the future, this is going to be beneficial. That you maybe you took a, took a road date this year in one of these challenges where you'll be able to reciprocate that with a home date coming up next year or the year after. There's a lot of good things, and people are still going to get to see these games and see this team play and support this team. So, uh, yeah, it's when you really find out how, like you talk about how the sausage gets made, it's not just so simple as saying, hey, do you want to play up here? Great. Does that date work? Great. And you're done. It's a heck of a lot more complicated than that. Yeah, and, you know, I'd say if I can get really philosophical right now about men's basketball scheduling, if you're purchasing games, at the end of the day, you're purchasing you're hoping the right to win that game. And then that is like a self-fulfilling prophecy over the course of time, because it's those games that then probably make a difference, whether you can make the NCAA tournament or not. And when you make the NCAA tournament, you reap more dollars. And if you reap more dollars, you can buy more games. It's like making the champions league Mm. in some ways. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of it all, I think, you know, futuristically, I think to be a really, uh, let's just say, ultra competitive program you'd want to get into a place where you're actually purchasing games that that's that's at least the thought process you know is that possible feasible doable at some point i never say never because there's there's programs right now that are in that boat that probably never thought they'd be there let's just say five seven ten years ago and so i think that's the thought process but as we're moving forward right now in the short term we just have to be really on it when it comes to, you know, uh, we need to be ahead of it. Like, like now we're into next year and the following year right now, you better be two years ahead because you are going to have some interesting things that you have to navigate. And I just, this year, you know, 
it just was going to be tricky given the uh, the transition. And I think we made some good decisions for this year's team as far as travel and where they get to play, which I think is exciting. Like you said, I think there's some exciting venues there. Um, and we've got a couple games, neutral site games, if you will, in that MTE around Thanksgiving in Florida. So so there's some excitement, I think, for, for our guys. And, and again, that all that to be said, then you come back into the Summit League play and everyone's zero and zero and you get the same amount of home games and away games. So what we need to do is just do as good a job as we can do um, on the non-conference side. And I already feel pretty good about where we're headed in the next uh, couple of years. When you think about the you know buyers versus the, the, the sellers, I guess, in, in terms of these games, UND obviously does have some road trips to Power 5 opposition. When you look at that and the money that comes in from that, how much does that help this? I mean, the programs in the university, that has to be a huge boost when you can travel to some of these schools and know that you are getting a check to go play. What does that mean for men's basketball? You know, it's part of our budgetary mix. It really is. And, you know, um, there's just the ability to, to, to generate revenue uh, with this thing called men's basketball. And, and so, uh, you know, I think it supports all of our programs ultimately. And, uh, but we also have to be thoughtful with our program itself, the men's basketball program to, to, to get them to the most competitive uh, situation possible as well. So, um, and I, so I think we did that, you know, I mean, obviously it's coach Sather's first year and I think he's looking long term. I'm looking long term. I, I, you, you never want to put it this way. I'm as interested of getting it done this year as anybody else is. But I want to make sure uh, you're, you're also looking ahead and, and setting the program up uh, to be a, as competitive as possible moving forward. Can I ask, by the way, last year, obviously, Kentucky was kind of the headliner for men's basketball. How much did we get for that particular contest? In terms of dollars, like what what does that look like? Just to give people an idea of what the monetary gain is when you go to a a, a school like that. Yeah, so the uh, that was actually part of a multi-team exempt event. So it's called an MTE. So it wasn't a separate paycheck just straight from the University of Kentucky. So it was it had to do with other schools that were connected to that uh, particular event as well. So. Ultimately, I want to say maybe it's about 100,000, somewhere in that range. So, um, but if you play a school just separately outside of an MTE, then I would say the range is somewhere between 60 and 100. And, and, and it, then that, that really is, depends who you're playing. Um, honestly, when it gets signed is a big one. Because there could be schools right now, and there are, I can tell you this, looking for games right now. And, and, and if you wait long enough and you're willing to travel, the dollars may be more than what they were yeah, if, uh, if you waited, uh, if you signed right away. I, I'm like in football, let's go to football. We're, we get one more contract back in. We're going to be – uh, scheduled through for sure 2024 and technically maybe 2025 because we are already will have 11 games uh, in a 12 game season. So we'll have to decide again whether we're going to play 12 or not that year. So I guess my vision, my thought process is I would rather be ahead of the game and and maybe I'll say this, take a little less with knowing what you have because it could potentially set your program up better. The other thing that we need to be really 
thoughtful about as well as where we're located. And so if, if you, you know, the, and the good news is coming out of the Big Sky Conference, we've got a number of schools that, how should I say, are very familiar with coming to Grand Forks, which is a great thing. So we have to take advantage of that. In fact, I, you know, myself and Matt Larson, you know, have had some conversations with us in NDSU about making sure that we think about being linked at times so that let's just call a Weber state and Idaho state, not suggesting that this is happening, but that's just a, you know, that their travel partners in the big sky, it could be any one of the travel partners. It really doesn't matter, you know, needs to then be, I think linked to a non-conference game with us and NDSU. Cause why wouldn't you come on a Friday or Sunday or a Thursday, Saturday, and you can get two games in. So those are kind of the creative things that hopefully it's, it's not necessarily creative. It's just, you have to do it. And you have to want to do it. And uh, I, I think, you know, those are the things that, that we're looking at trying to do moving forward. But there's no doubt that part of um, the transition of coaches, you know, these are some of the interesting things that happen or the dominoes that occur when the, that when that happens. Yeah, it's interesting stuff. It really, it really, really is. I, I would assume one last question about this. I would assume that the guys on the team, when they see a schedule like this, have to be excited. I mean, if you kind of take the fans out of the equation, hey, you're going to go play at the kennel. You're going to go play at the barn. You're going to get a chance to really test yourself against some big time opposition. Maybe you don't have as many home games early, but th- those things I would imagine when you show the schedule to your team, that's not a negative. I think that's a positive for those guys. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're a competitor, I think all of our guys to some degree, I mean, you know, you look at the three, 351 schools play division one college basketball. And so there's a school that's number one and there's someone that's 351 and then everybody else is in the middle. And we kind of all know where we are and whether or not then you're playing a school that supposedly is ahead of you. And I know as a competitor, our guys get juiced up about that. If they can go in and, you know, get an experience as well. I mean, what, here's the one thing I will tell you, our team will be ready for summit league play. (laughs) Yes. Yes, they they will. They will be battle tested for sure. Come January the second or whatever it is when they take on Denver, I think in that opening week. Well, good, good stuff there on the men's basketball scheduling front. Um, Anything else from a UND perspective, Bill, before we start talking about some NCAA stuff? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's a big week. Always excited about the Hall of Fame week. Uh, you know, just thank everyone that came before us, right? I mean, at the end yeah. of the day, without them, we don't do what we do today. So uh, it'll be an exciting week. Yeah, good stuff. Hall of Fame homecoming on the way. Look forward to that all week as uh, the calendar flips to October. The other big news from a college perspective that just really went down this morning, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, but the Fair Pay to Play Act in California was officially signed by the California governor, Gavin Newsom, on um, LeBron James's uh, HBO show, The Shop, which came out this morning. Uh, this rule would prevent, specific verbiage is the rule would prevent colleges or the NCAA for punishing college athletes for being compensated for the use of their name, image, or likeness. And this would take effect in a couple of years, maybe not till 2023, but it was officially signed this weekend. This will cause either the NCAA to sort of make a make a ruling or make a change or maybe could spur some of the states to do that as well what are your thoughts now that this is an actual law in the state of california bill yeah i think i think we anticipated that this was going to happen so uh i i don't i don't think it's any surprise that it got signed by the governor uh i don't know i you know like i said i i know that there's a working group right now that's 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 looking at how to um to to kind of work through 
the uh, I guess we'll call it NIL. I mean, that's that's what the I guess the shortened version has been of this. And I, I just know this. I, I it's one of my favorite um, topics on the pod um, replay is there tends to be unintended consequences with things. And I just, you know, I, I think like anything else, it's, it's easy to just say, let's just do that. And you know what? Okay. Oh, oh, there's unintended consequences. Oh, oh, I, I didn't know that. I just wanted that to happen. And so, you know, what is interesting to me, I'll call that NIL actually can happen. I mean, actually, you know, if you graduate from high school, you can go to Europe and you can go to the G League. And actually, you can actually, your name, image, and likeness is yours. So it's, it's interesting where this will end up. But if you choose to then be part of what's called this association with these member rules across all 50 states, and that's where the, the challenge is where if each state with their schools are going to make different sets of rules, I'm not even saying the collegiate model, that's been kind of, I'll, I'll call it beat up in the, in the, uh, from a narrative standpoint. I'll say the other thing. I just think the, uh, the ability to have an association that cuts across all states will be challenged. And, and that might be okay. I mean, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily, you know, because it's changing doesn't mean it's a bad thing either. But, um, but, but be careful what you ask for or what you're asking for, because it may not come back out the way you think it's going to come out. And so with California kind of pushing the conversation, and maybe that's what will end up being the case. You know, we'll look back historically and say, without this happening in the state of California, you know, X, Y, and Z wasn't, you know, wouldn't have been done to benefit the student athlete, which, you know what, is, could be a really great thing. But it'll, it'll be interesting where this goes. I mean, I just don't know. I, I, I think this one has a chance to have college athletics the way we have known it for a long period of time to be altered significantly. And I don't even think that's a threat. I just think it's just could be, and that's it. So more to come, but I, I just, you know, it's, it's just interesting. The platforms that some of our student athletes are able to be on probably has increased their brand. And so at the end of it all, I don't know where that's worth either. So that, that all needs to be discussed moving forward. But it is interesting. This one um, is certainly given us pause, I'll say, in the industry to see where this one's going to go. It is kind of the first step. I don't know if you'd say this is a crossing the Rubicon type moment, but it feels like now the NCAA who said, Mark Emmert you know, said whenever after this was passed by the California Senate, hey, don't do this because we will not allow then teams in the state of California to be eligible for potentially postseason play or postseason accolades, et cetera, because you're, you're going on a different model now than what we've said. And now they've kind of said, well, we, we, you can, I, we don't think you're going to do that because we're going to sign this into law. And it's, uh, yeah, I don't want, you know, it's, it had, like you said, it feels like it could potentially be a game changing moment. And it like, it, something will change. Either they're going to have to back off from this ruling or the NCAA is going to have to make it. This, this is going to essentially be a catalyst for something moving forward. And, and that's all good. I just want to make sure that, you know, um, I think everyone kind of always has in their mind, well, this is what then will happen. 
Well, it may or may not. I, I don't know. It might lead to some, you know, really interesting change, which could be all for the better. I mean, I, you know, and change, you need to evolve. And so, uh, uh, you know, I think that the fascinating part to this one, too, is, um, you know, as long as you're not increasing rosters, roster size to some degree, you know, a certain amount of, or I shouldn't say that, grant and aids, really, because rosters is relative. But, but, but as long as you're not increasing grant and aids again, like it maybe it used to be back in college when it was like 105 scholarships for football, and then they reduced it down to 85. And so, you know, because there'd be a lot of stockpiling that went on. So at the end of the day, now, um, as long as that's not done, I, you probably the same the roster makeups will look very similar to some degree, maybe just not at the top, whatever, 3% could be interestingly, uh, how should I say, enticed to go somewhere versus somewhere else. And then technology plays into this too. So some of the things that I think you could do is technology-based. I mean, maybe Alex Heiner is a tremendous, I mean, you know, football player and, you know, you're just going to spend an hour of your week, you know, sending happy birthday notes to people, you know, mm-hmm. using your name, image and likeness. And it's not going to take a whole lot for you. And you could get compensated pretty darn well on that. Now, is the compensation coming in immediate or is it going into some sort of a trust of some sort? Uh, those are all things that are you're trying to work through and figuring out like the, the reason why, you know, and it's, it's so funny to me, the NCAA, and I'll call that loosely, gets beat up because of the, the manual. Well, the reason why the manual is so thick is because everyone is getting around rules. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the IRS code. A rule comes out and then you're figuring out how to get around the rule. And so, you know, I don't know, this is going to be, but it feels like it's, it is a seminal moment where there's a conversation that seems there's going to be a structural change on how the NCAA, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, how the association is, is uh, governed. Yeah. When you talked about that upper 3%, that top tier, maybe having decisions to make, because if you did want to, if you were a, 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 a successful high school football player or a high school basketball player or, or really good at water polo or whatever, and you're being recruited by schools across the country, the possibility of you then going to California, for example, and then getting money to send those happy birthday wishes or to sign autographs and whatever and making money off that versus maybe going to Florida or Georgia or Texas, that becomes a decision then of like, well, I'll go to USC and get paid or I can go to Texas and not get paid for these extra things. That would be a great. I mean, this this is kind of what we're talking about here, where you could get a little more benefit, more, you get a little more bang for your buck if you go to California based on this rule versus someplace else. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I and, and so really, what's happened is, you know, it's a volunteer association membership that the members who actually in Division One's three hundred fifty-one schools make the rules. And then from there, you figure out how you want to administer the rules and sanction if you're not following the rules, but it's all association driven. So if if a, a faction or a state in this case wants to have different rules than the volunteer association membership, I could see where that's a problem potentially. Yeah. And so then you might want to say, do you want to be a part of this association or not? Now, having said that, 
you know, take California, holy cow. I mean, that's the state because of so many schools. And obviously, it, it you know, in so many championships historically over years that um, it's going to it's going to lead to a conversation and hopefully different developments where you can then manage and, and administer this association. But, you know, a, a lot of times people have all the answers until the answer has some effects that you didn't think of. Yeah. And then all it's, 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 it's replay. It's replay. <laughs> it, it's complete replay. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm, I, to me, I don't want to reofficiate games. And I feel like that's what's occurring to some degree, as opposed to just saying in or out home run or not hmm. over the line or not. Can we just go back, go there, just go there. And then everything else, the call on the field or ice or court stands. That's it. And this one, it, it, it's, it's interesting when government to some degree gets involved with, again, an association, um, to force them to do something that the members had not voted on. That, that was the thing I did want to ask. And then this is the last thing about this. Have we heard from UCLA or Stanford or Cal Berkeley? Have anybody from those schools come out and said anything about this? What, what have you heard? Yeah. In reading it, um, you know, I, I think those schools have tried to present in caution what exactly could occur because again you know yes if all things was being equal and we continue to be let's just say in this membership driven association yes that could be great it what may happen is we are no longer in the association that that mean and maybe that's you know drastic or whatever you want to call it but who knows i mean and so at the end of the day i think that's the concern for those schools is that where does that put the those schools if they're not eligible because ultimately it will be extra benefits for student athletes which will then put you ineligible for championships and if you're not avail eligible for championships then what's the point of being in the association? Then you might as well be in the California Collegiate Athletic Association. And then your championships would be just within the state of California, which maybe that's what we should be doing. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, then that's the high school model. That's, that would then be exactly, then you, that exactly would be what it would be. You'd have every state would have its own thing. And, and that would be really, I don't know, unfortunate, I guess. I mean, from a national perspective, that's really segmenting things down. You don't really get a true test of who's the best, but who knows? I, I have no idea. Maybe that is where we end up going here in a handful of years. Then it really does become, and you, <laughs> and then you take the best one from each state and you have this tournament. Then it really is the champions league. That'd be kind of interesting if that works out. I don't think we should do any of this. It all it, comes back to soccer. It always does. Yeah. It comes yeah. back to the Premier League. Hey, hey even <laughs> when you have 10 men, you got to just try to win a game. <laughs> that is a beautiful segue from that to the B-side where let's let's just dial up Spurs and what's been going on. We had joked on the pod last week how it was a, you know, a midweek Carabao Cup game. They got to play at Colchester. You know, nobody had ever heard of where Colchester was. And what happened in that game, Bill? It was great. We um we decided <laughs> to tap out of that cup. Um I because I think if I know a little bit, I've learned a little bit, and I keep trying to learn, 
not a lot of people have said that if you win the Carabao Cup, um, let's just say the Spurs will be like, oh, they've their their trophy drought is over. I, I maybe they would say it's a small trophy. It's in the trophy case. I think you're right. I mean, I think it's one of those competitions because again, this is the League Cup, so this is essentially the fourth most prestigious thing that they're playing for behind the league, the Champions League, and the FA Cup. I mean, this is this is down there. This isn't even on the podium, but there is still a trophy. You do still get to raise the thing. There's confetti if you win, and it does go in the trophy case. But I, I think I agree with you 100%. Obviously, they did not care about this competition when you saw the names of guys they charted out there, although they did throw in. Sun played in the end. Lucas Mora was playing. They had some, they had some guys from the A-team that were out there. If Colchester had just scored one or two to begin with, we wouldn't have probably tried because then it got to a point where they probably said, well, we got, they can't score. So, I mean, we might as well try to win this thing at this point if they're going to not score. And so it had to go to PKs and ended up losing. And I'd say if you were going to tap out of one so you don't have to play on all fronts, that would be the one. And so that's why I just was not all that concerned about it. But it didn't make for great headlines. People were kind of making fun of the Spurs. I mean, just, you know, we're in a little bit of a tough little role right now. And just uh, we found a way over the weekend. And then we have this little team from Germany uh, that we've got to play uh, tomorrow. So there's that. And so Bayern Munich gets its uh, uh, way into uh, um, England. And so that should be a fun match. But your Liverpool, they they hung in there. They they I think they, they, they won in the Carabao, too. They did. Good for them. Yeah. <laughs> You know what it seems like on those those matches? Like, it's either you score probably a couple goals in the first 25 minutes or else you go, oh, boy, now, now we're in it. Yeah. You know, in the worst case, don't they sometimes if you tie? I don't know. Maybe this one's a PK, but sometimes you have to replay it. There's a replay at the FA Cup at, at a certain round. Then you start replaying. And that's that's where they really get you because you got to play instead of one game you don't care about. Now you have to play two and you got to go to the other guy's place or, or vice versa. That's really where you really say, let's just lose. Let's not win this thing because that'll that'll mess things up in your schedule. And don't you think, like, seriously, having now just been around this for not long, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm maybe starting first grade in, in, in Premier League. <laughs> like, it's amazing that we're, like, having these conversations like, yeah, just lose that one. You know, I'm like, what? What do you mean just lose that one? It's like, yeah, no, you know, really, it, 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 it'll be a distraction for you yeah. at some point. It's funny how in the world of soccer, there are you, you do put more priority towards some matches it really not all games are created equal for sure and because of these different competitions you can just say let's not play that one um liverpool trotted out i believe like you know their c team it was a lot of young kids and guys that weren't playing much and they beat uh mk dons which is a, i think a third or second division team. i think third division right now beat them 2-0 not a very you know it wasn't like the 9-1 or whatever some of these teams go out and, and just hammer teams but but they win they advance spurs by the way like you said had been kind of in a bit of a rut and you're playing Southampton at the weekends and this is a game where you'd expect to win. Southampton is not very good in the Premier League and you just get a beautiful goal from Ndombele to get things started and then Serge Aurier gets one yellow for a bad tackle from behind and then just just inadvertently just yanks, not inadvertently, that's not the right word, stupidly, I'm sorry, that'd be the better word, pulls the guy back which is an automatic yellow card every time and gets his second yellow within 30 minutes and is done and you were in some serious trouble there because then Southampton scores. Would you consider them really scoring on that? Is that really a goal? Uh, yeah, that that was probably um, 
Now, earlier this season, yeah, Liverpool had, Adrian had a howler like that earlier this season too, against Southampton, against Danny Ings, where he tried to kick the ball out from the back, it ricocheted off Ings and went right into the net. This one was worse though, because it was in Hugo Lloris's feet inside the six-yard box, and he let the same player, Danny Ings, basically just run onto him, and he just kind of <laughs> stuck his foot out while it was still, so it wasn't even, Lloris was even trying to kick it, it was just like caught between his feet, and it just rolled into the back of the net. Not, not a great look there for the uh, French national team's captain. Not great. He got caught up into, I think, trying to do two different things, and he did nothing. And he just allowed this guy to come in and kick it. I mean, holy cow, but what a beautiful goal that they uh, responded with. That's them at their best. But, uh, you know, they're just, uh, they're starting slow this year. So, uh, but that's okay. It's, this, I mean, we talk about a long, you just can't get too far behind. I mean, that's the gig. I mean, and, uh, you know, I know Arsenal plays Man U today. So I guess, I don't know. I Maybe root for Man U, I guess. I don't know. I, it's hard to say. Let's just hope the earth opens up and just swallows that stadium hole and we just we move on. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich on Tuesday in the UCL. That'll be a fun match at Spurs Stadium. Also coming up this week, you know, speaking of fun, MLB playoffs start. I know we got to get going, but really quick. I know we're going for the Twins. I think we both would say, even though that's not our first team, of course, you'd love, it'd be so much fun on a number of levels because obviously they're playing the Yankees. It'd be fantastic if Minnesota could find a way to get by New York. Do you think it's going to happen, Bill? I do think they have a shot. I just don't trust their starting pitching. Now, again, I don't know if I trust the Yankees starting pitching either. I mean, I, this one's an interesting series. It really is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they have a shot. I, I, I would say probably 60-40 Yankees. You know, now, if you were to say to me Houston, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, but they're not playing Houston, start there, which is good. <laughs> and I do think if I'm a Twins fan, I'm rooting for the A's to beat the Rays because the A's are used to playing the Astros. And I just, I don't, you know, I just don't think it's a big deal for them. It would be like the Rays against the Red Sox, right? The Rays against, they just play each other all the time. So I just think Houston's tough when you're not playing them all that much. And so uh, um, I, I think that's the pathway. I think that, I think the Twins would have to beat the Yankees, would have to beat the Astros. And then uh, I don't know who's going to sit on the other side. Obviously the Dodgers have had a great, great year, but uh, um, interesting. And our buddy Joe Madden has, uh, you know, did five good years with the Cubs, but you know, I could see him in San Diego maybe next year. I think I read shelf lives. You have a shelf life. Mm-hmm. I think more than anything, the two sports. Well, football is kind of the same way. Oh, basketball's never mind. Every sport's kind of like that. I guess soccer. Everybody, you you rotate coaches. That's just kind of how it is. Not very often. There's not a lot of Belichicks and Tomlins out there that are in the same job for 20 years. These guys get about four or five, six years at max and if things aren't going great you need a new voice sometimes in the clubhouse i mean the red sox fired terry francona after he had broken a 86 year championship curse but they just you know they've this is what you need to do sometimes just to kind of shake things up so best of luck to madden broke the curse moving on so going back to the twins i i i think i think uh i guess i would favor the yankees i'm sure they're favored but um but that's as that's a pretty close 50 50 call. I mean, but the twins are going to have to figure out a, you know, a way to get some, some, some decent starting pitching because uh, the Yankees lineup is, is tough for sure. They can put runs on the board. Not that the twins can't obviously, but it'll be interesting for playoff baseball. 
always seems to be a little bit different than the regular season. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? These five game series in the first round always make things a little more intriguing. And, you know, if, if they can hang in there, they can score some runs, like you said, and maybe keep that Yankee lineup down and take one in New York and get a little momentum coming back to target field. Anything is possible. You mentioned the Astros, by the way, I saw on the ESPN playoff preview today that the Astros were listed as the number one rotation in the postseason and the number one lineup in the postseason. So those are kind of the those are kind of the two things, yeah, that you need to have to be good. Good pitchers and good hitters. And they they've got they've got the best of both. Well, I don't know if they had number one defense. I don't know who that is, but uh, you know, but they're they're not bad either in that regard. So uh yeah, they're they're gonna be challenging, but I I it's all good. Um, you know, I, I'm happy for the twins um that they get playoff uh you know, playoffs. And like I said, the Yankees are vulnerable though. They're not, they're not, uh, uh, they're not the, 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 the late nineties with that rotation where it feel like they had four aces trotting out there. That, that is not their team. And so, uh, but their bullpen obviously is very good. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yankees haven't won a world series in 10 years. So let's just, they, they, 2009 was the last time to be fantastic. Let's go the whole aughts of the deck, you know, or the whole teens, the whole 20 teens without another Yankees World Series. That'd be fantastic. Let's go twins. Go twins. <laughs> go twins. Perfect. Can't be any more excited about the twins. <laughs> <laughs> Other it. than that, what about football? You had a tough one in Buffalo. Pulled it out though. Yeah. If, you know, Buff, the Bills defense is, is good. And that, uh, you know, Tom Brady obviously had sort of statistically one of his worst games as a pro, um, but they still, you know, New England's defense is really, really good too. And speaking of turnovers, you know, Josh Allen had three picks and struggled a little bit and then New England knocked him out. And But that was, you know, that was a 16-10 game that could have gone either way. Happy to be 4-0 and moving on to, I think we have Washington and then the Jets. They, they have such an easy schedule. A couple more cupcakes are, are coming up, but... Uh, big win. It was kind of one of those days in the NFL yesterday when you've got the Patriots kind of struggling against a team nobody thought was going to be any good. The Chiefs struggling and having to pull one out late against a Detroit team that nobody thought was going to be any good. You know, and the best teams really, you know, just it just goes to show you can't always, you know, the Cowboys who everybody thought maybe was going to be the best team in the NFC with what they've played, kind of laid an egg against a Saints team without Drew Brees. The week, the week-to-week thing in the NFL is really... It's it's real. It's a real thing. The Rams getting killed by the Bucks, giving up fifty five points to Tampa Bay at home. You never know. You never know week to week. No, and really, the only thing you can do is try to get better. Right? No different than I said all the way at the front of the pod with our football team is you have to just figure out ways to continue to get better and then play at whatever the apex of your team is. You know, tonight, if the Steelers could find a way to win. They they could should but you never know they've got a you know a very green quarterback in there is is now you're one and three you're not that far behind you're game behind you know I mean amazingly and so that's why you can't get too high or too low and you just got to keep it keep it steady uh, and just keep getting better so we'll see what happens I I sure as heck hope we're not ha- we're potting uh, live and in person uh, at some point in time and we're staring at each other and I'm staring at an zero and four team. <laughs> I don't, well, I don't want to say it. I, I would, I'd be surprised if they lose this one. 0-3 Steelers, 0-3 Bengals tonight. You'd think Mason, Rudolph, and company, they'll be able to figure something out. But because the crazy thing is, like you said, the Browns kind of walloped Baltimore this weekend. So now instead of the Ravens having this clear gap between themselves, now those teams are both 2-2 two and two 
you're right back in this thing if it really is your one win away. I mean, and obviously they they just got to get it done tonight, and and away we go. But I'm I'm looking forward to uh, the weekend, uh, Alex. Uh, the week ahead, you know, homecoming is always a special time on campus, and we've got a lot of uh, special events going on. And we didn't even mention the Sioux Awards, and you know that that that's almost a university wide Hall of Fame, if you will. So that that's a Thursday night event, and so that will be exciting as well. So all that to be said, it's a great time to be on campus for sure. Yeah, happy homecoming. Should be a really fun week all around. So for Bill Shaves, for Cassie Niles, feels like a good time to end this thing. I'm Alex Seinert. Enjoy homecoming and Hall of Fame week. We'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.